Welcome to Business Resilience Decoded. I am your host, Vanessa Von Matthews, the founder and chief resilience officer of Asphalus Advisors. And today I'm very excited because we have an accomplished guest and she's gonna be speaking on the topic of using technology for global planning. So you guys are in for a really amazing treat. Today joined with me on this podcast is Anne-Marie McLaughlin. She is the Director of Emergency Management and Continuity at New York University. Anne-Marie, welcome. Hi, Hi, Vanessa. Thank you so much for inviting me on. I'm really excited uh, to to be here and to talk about global continuity planning with you. Well, I'm excited. So let's dive in. Uh, Can you tell our listeners more about you and how you landed in the world of business continuity? Sure. Um, Like a lot of people in the field, uh, I didn't start out here. Um, I was working in media relations and um, public relations speech writing for the beginning of my career. I was at UMass Boston um, in 2007-2008 when uh, universities, I think nationally, a lot of them were looking at their um, emergency plans. Um, We had Virginia Tech in 2007 and H1N1 um, 2009. Around then, um, our uh, public safety and risk management uh, offices were looking for help writing plans. We ha- and I had already been involved in crisis communications plans and emergency notification. So I got going, um, you know, helping out writing plans. I really got the bug. So I went back to school, got certifications, and in 2010 became the first emergency manager at UMass Boston. So I was there until 2018 when I started at NYU. So that's sort of my resume, I guess. Um, I really love the field. And I think that um, one, of the, w- one of the reasons it's such a great field to be in is there are always new challenges and we've certainly faced them in the last year. Oh, haven't we? So first of all, shout out to you being the first and not only were you the first person, but the first woman, right? That's amazing. So congratulations to you there. (laughs) I'm I'm grateful. And I had a fabulous woman boss who appointed me and said that the communication skills are an important part of the job. And I think, you know, they have, uh, they have helped, right? Because we have to convince people and we have to reach out to folks. So very grateful. We are definitely influencers in this profession. So can you tell us a little bit more about NYU? We talked before this podcast started. I think most people around the world recognize the brand of NYU, but can you help our listeners have some more perspective on the university? Sure. Well, and I assume that folks who are listening to this podcast are practitioners. um, And so I'll sort of think about it from that perspective. Um, I went from a school with about 18,000 enrollment, um, with maybe a dozen or so buildings to, you know, NYU has over 230 buildings in New York City between Manhattan and Brooklyn. Um, we've got 60,000 students, give or take, two portal campuses, one in Abu Dhabi and one in Shanghai, and 15 global sites. So, you know, if you think about continuity planning, going from a smaller scale to a much larger scale, um, it's a tremendously dynamic and interesting Um, place to work. We are tremendously global. We use a lot of technology. I think necessarily you couldn't do what we do without the technology. So we rely on notification systems. We have continuity planning software that's very flexible that we use for multiple um, purposes beyond continuity, including emergency management and some of the global security. Um, So it's a really dynamic and interesting place to do this kind of work. 
So I imagine you work very closely with your facilities uh, management and global security team. (laughs) Well, in the global security team, you know, we work hand in hand on, you know, monitoring for global emergencies. Um, They use software that um, scans the internet for lack of better, you know, description. It sort of sits at the mouth of Twitter um, and listens. Uh, It's data miner, if I can use the name, they, um, they provide alerts and they've been very helpful in letting us know what's happening because we're only so many people uh, and the global folks uh, are continually monitoring at the global sites as well as in New York City. Um, so they're pretty busy and they're, they're tremendously helpful for facilities. You know, it's tough because we're in New York City and we have so many buildings and things happen. And we work super closely with uh, with our facilities folks. And again, we use the continuity planning software um, in emergencies. So, you know, sometimes we think about, um, you know, planning for audits. You know, we think continuity planning is about, you know, we have to expect an audit and we're going to be, you know, audited by compliance. Our focus really has been for resilience and making, you know, data over documents. So, you know, in an emergency in a place like New York City, where you have multiple threats, if you think about this past summer, you know, we had some civil unrest issues with impacts to campus. We're responding to COVID. We have, you know, quarantine and isolation process happening. All these things going on. If we suddenly have a water issue or, you know, utilities or network issue, we need to be able to access continuity data on the spot. So our planning and our our software um, is really geared for that kind of approach. So just to build on some of the things that you you talked about, you know, one key word that you said is NYU is global, and one of your campuses is in Shanghai. So let's let's go back to 2020. Global pandemic starts in Asia, China specifically. Uh, you have a campus there. It makes its way around the world. And then around May of 2020, then there's protests all over the world, 60 countries over 100 days consecutively. So how did those events impact NYU from a global perspective? It all started really in October. We were out in Shanghai in October doing a functional exercise. And again, we used technology to facilitate Um, functional exercises. We do tabletops as well, but we try to do functional exercises so we can practice our communications and use the technology using a scenario. And when we were planning the exercise, initially we had thought about doing a typhoon exercise and the folks in Shanghai said, no, 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 we feel really good about our our typhoon plans. Really, we wanna do an infectious disease outbreak exercise. We feel that that would be most valuable. So we ended up doing an infectious disease exercise in Shanghai in October. And by, you know, late December, January, we were talking with them about their, um, you know, the impacts that they were seeing and they indeed were not able to open. Um, There were all kinds of um, impacts. And and as we were talking with the staff there, they said, isn't this strange? We just, we played this out in October. Um, And I think that the lesson there, you know, people were joking that we had some kind of you know, supernatural awareness. And we were like, no, no, this is just good emergency management and continuity planning. We did a risk assessment. And we, and part of that was, you know, involving stakeholders. And they let us know that this would be, this was something that interested them and that they considered a real threat. And it turned out to be 
um, you know, to be a real um, a real response for them. And and I mentioned the global security team; um, they were, you know, supporting our response. You know, again, the 15 global sites we saw impacts there, and it really did go. You know, we could see it coming. Mm. You know, and I think the United States could see it coming, right? From, you know, across the globe um, towards us. We had daily IMT meetings and, um, you know, then we started our response uh, in New York in March when things, you know, went remote. But in February, you know, early February, we were reminding people of their continuity plans and giving folks in New York a heads up, this is coming. So I hear coordination, I hear communication, I hear um, logistics. <laughs> a lot of people involved and a lot of support, you know, particularly for, you know, the students involved. Um, we have tremendous teams in Office of Global Programs, you know, Global Services, Student Affairs. We've got folks who are, you know, supporting our students. If you think about continuity planning in an academic environment, it's certainly business continuity planning, but it also includes you know, taking care of people. It includes psychological health and, and support. It includes, um, you know, academic continuity, which is all about, you know, not only instruction, but also research and research funding. So there's lots of pieces to it. And we couldn't do it without the team that we have. Absolutely. So oftentimes when a crisis like what we've experienced in 2020 hits, our companies, whether it's internal or external, typically the number one thing that no longer gets funded is training. However, you and your team invested in exercises, you invested in preparedness, you invested in training. So when you think back to that investment that you made uh, back in October, I'm assuming 2019, what are the top two things that those exercises and that preparedness helped you to do from a global perspective? I think the two things, you know, one is sort of a, a small thing, but it's really not a small thing. And the other is, is larger. I'll start with the small thing. Um, part of this functional exercise, and by functional, I mean, we actually did, you know, we communicated. Um, we had a sim cell set up and we had one of our interns who's from China um, make uh, phone calls, you know, drill phone calls to our dispatch center, our global dispatch center in New York. And she was posing as a parent of a student uh, in Shanghai, and she was speaking Mandarin. And it allowed us to test our language line. It, it, it sort of worked, but it sort of didn't. And it, it allowed, you know, we want to discover issues, right? So we were able to have an improvement plan with the vendor. And that helped us. And it's, I said, you know, it seems like a small thing, but it's really not because on a bad day, we want parents to be well cared for. And if we can't speak Mandarin, we want to make sure that that communication happens uh, through our language service. So that was that was something that I considered a good outcome of that exercise. The other outcome, which is bigger, I think, was the confidence that we gained mm. working as a team. I was with a William Carnardi who works with me uh, as emergency manager. We were in Shanghai. Um, with the team there supporting them um, and the Global Security Operations Center folks were back um, in New York and just having that teamwork exercise and just sort of feeding injects to the to the groups and seeing people interact with each other I think that really helped when it came time to respond in in real world um, scenario you know so we, we had this real thing and everybody knew each other 
which isn't always easy to accomplish globally. Yeah. So the use of technology helped foster effective communication and it helped bring the confidence that your team needed, not only the emergency management and continuity team, but the departments, the faculty, the students that you guys also serve and support. I know we don't have too much more of your time and I wish we could talk about this for many more hours. <laughs> so I, I wanna pause and say thank you so much for sharing about your experience at NYU, what you've been doing. And also this is a great opportunity for those of you who work in academic organizations um, to take a chance to reach out to Anne-Marie to do some best practices and to think about ways that you might be able to collaborate and learn more about her experience. So with that being said, where can our listeners find you? Sure. Well, I'm pretty easy to find on LinkedIn. And if you want to reach me at my NYU email, it's McLaughlin, all one word, A-M-C-L-A-U-G-H-L-I-N at NYU.edu. Well, there you have it. Thanks for tuning in to Business Resilience Decoded with the Disaster Recovery Journal and Asphalus Advisors. Subscribe, share, download, and look out for future episodes.